Well, this morning, um, we have the, the privilege of continuing on what we've been teaching through for the past number of weeks now is in Acts 2.42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and the prayers. And we've been working our way through all those things. And what does it mean as the church to be devoted to this? So the Bible calls us to be as disciples together to devote ourselves to these things. And uh, last week, Dave started talking about what it means to be devoted to the prayers. And this morning, we're going to continue uh, talking more about what it means to be devoted to prayer. Um, <clears throat> this morning, we have the privilege of having Todd Van Eck uh, teach this morning. Todd and his family have been coming to Moran Park since December. And uh, I think Joe, Joe Lang has invited him, he said, and he started coming and they haven't left. And uh, Todd is the, uh, I don't know what your technical title is, he leads a ministry called Mission India. And Mission India is responsible for planting churches with indigenous people in India and doing incredible work for the sake of the gospel there. They're seeing incredible amounts of churches planted, people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Todd has been a pastor in West Michigan for a number of years, and five years ago has taken over leadership there at Mission India. And so you may recognize Todd because, well, he's not like me, an average height guy. Todd's one of those tall folks. And uh, Todd's been an encouragement to me because um, he deeply loves the church, and he deeply loves the lost. So when you hang out with Todd... It's hard not to have your love for the church increase, and it's hard to not have your love for the lost increase. And so that's my prayer this morning as Todd shares from the word this morning um, about what it means to be devoted to prayer, that that would be our response this morning, that the Holy Spirit would grow in us a deep love for the church, a deep love for him, and a deep love for the lost. So give a warm welcome to Todd Van Eck. Dude, can I, can I pray for you? Yeah. Cool, let's pray. God, I thank you for my brother Todd. I thank you for the work that you're doing within him and through him, God. I thank you that his life is surrendered to you, God. That his greatest desire is, Jesus, that you would be glorified and exalted. And that is our prayer this morning. That through his words, through the things that you're stirring in his heart, Jesus, that you would be made great and lifted high. I thank you, God, for the way that you uh, equip the body, that you've gifted different parts of the body of Christ to share their gifts. And I thank you for the gifts that you've given Todd to share with us this morning. I know his heart, his prayer, and our prayer is that through that, we would grow a deeper love for you, Jesus. Our heart would be set on fire more for you this morning, Jesus. And our heart would grow for the church more, God, worldwide and for the lost. That we would have your heart for the lost grow within us this morning, God. That we would be set on fire to uh, see those that do not know you come to know you, Lord Jesus. So I pray your, your hand upon Todd today, that the words that you've been stirring in his heart, would come forth this morning with deep power, with conviction, with the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Creighton. I'm uh, thrilled to be here, and I kind of say that every single Sunday. Um, Creighton said we've been here since December, and sometimes I just think it's good to say, um, I hope you all know what an incredible church this is. Um, I hope that you, when you speak of this place, it's done in words of praise and affirmation in terms of blessing the bride of the of Christ because um, it's a special place and uh, there's just a culture here that um, I've, I haven't experienced um, in a lot of churches to be honest with you so you need to praise God for that I'm excited to be here as Britton said I'm part of an organization called Mission India. Um, Mission India was founded 40 years ago 
And it was founded on a few principles, but the number one principle is that prayer is the first work of missions. Last year, so we do one thing three ways. We plant reproducing churches through training indigenous Indian Christians, and we do that through church planner training, adult literacy classes, and children's Bible clubs. Just in terms of the power of who God is, the power of prayer, because prayer is the first work of missions, last year we planted 12,000 churches. We saw 2.8 million people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So this map behind me, there's an organization. Um, we didn't ask them to do this. We didn't pay them to do this. We're just grateful they did. They're called the International Mission Board, connected with the Baptist denomination. They're the largest mission-sending organization in the entire world. They do a study every year to determine where the most unreached people are in the world. Now, just a quick thing. We're not talking lost people. We're talking unreached. Unreached are people who have no access to a Bible, another believer, Christian broadcast. They don't even have a clue for who Jesus is. So we're the most unreached people are in the entire world. And they put a little, I always say they put a little dot just to make sure they wouldn't lose track. And in 2010, they did this study. And red is, is completely unreached. And you can see in 2018 what's began to happen. So all those colors mean something in terms of, of, of different percentages. Green means 3% um, reached. Yellow means there's openness. But, but, and that is the testimony. The only reason I show that um, is in terms of the testimony of prayer. The first thing we require everyone to do who's leading, um, who a church planner, dollars to CBC, is to start a prayer cell. They, that is the first thing. They have to start three to five prayer cells made up of five to 15 people. And I'm going to talk about this a little later. We have a prayer that they pray, but they pray for five people for five minutes every single day. And then people begin to go out and talk to others about Jesus. And it's that work of prayer that begins to open the door. And that's what we're going to talk about um, today is, is the power of prayer to open the doors of spiritual receptivity in terms of people's hearts. To do that, um, I'm going to read um, from Colossians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read verses 2 through 6. Um, one of the things that I like to do is I like to stand for the reading of God's word. It's just kind of a physical expression that says, I'm so excited to hear the word of God, because the Bible says the word of God never returns void. And I'm standing in anticipation of what God has to say today. So, this is the word of the Lord. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
So as we come to this text, as, as we focus on prayer, one of the first things that jumps right out at us in terms of even last week, what Dave was sharing about, whenever you talk prayer, the first thing you have to always say is that um, our Heavenly Father loves to be asked. Our God loves to be asked. He loves it when his children come to him and say, hey, I need some power. I need your wisdom. I need your truth. I need your grace. In fact, he not only um, likes it, the Bible says he delights in it. Proverbs 15, verse 8 says, The prayer of the upright is his delight. This means that God, the creator of the universe, the one who created the entire world and, and structured what I call control in the midst of things that could become incredibly chaotic. So just in terms of us, Lake Michigan, God created banks and everything to hold back um, Lake Michigan, the one who holds the entire world in his hands, the one who woke us this morning, the one who controls every aspect, loves it when we, his sons and daughters, come to him. I have five children, and I love it when they call me or when they holler out, hey, Dad, can you help me? Well, I'll be honest, not all the time do I like that, but, <laughs> but the majority of the time, I really like it. I particularly like it when my older children call me and say, hey, Dad, you know, I'm going through something and I'm just wondering what you're thinking. You know, I love that. And I think, you know, so, sometimes our, our human illustrations fall so short. And, and, and if we love that as, as, as humans, how much more does God? And the reason I share this this morning because in terms of prayer, we just have to be clear on who God is, on his incredible love for us, on his grace for us. And, 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 and we're just all aware that there are people who have grown up in homes with abusive, belligerent moms and dads, people who've had terrible experience in terms of churches and other things. And what it does is it just stilts and, and, and poisons their understanding of who God is. So really, to understand the power of prayer, you have to understand the power of God. You don't believe in, in a supreme vision of God, the sovereignty of God that's going to show up in your prayer life. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. And this is what he says. The proper study of any Christian is God. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of God. Would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares and go plunge yourself in Godhead's deepest sea? Be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing that can so comfort the soul 
so calm the swallowing billows of grief, so speak grace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of love. And that's where we have to begin in terms of who God is, his love, and the fact that he loves it when his sons and daughters come to him in prayer. That's the first thing. The second thing is, then the question is, well, what should we be talking to God about? What should we be asking God? And as we look at our text this morning, the first thing that just jumps right off at us is the first thing that we should be praying about is ourselves. The number one prayer you should pray every day, the first person you should pray for every day when you get out of bed is yourself. Our text says, devote yourselves to prayer. I can read that one of two ways, right? Devote yourselves to prayer. Come on, get at it. Pray, 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 pray. Work, 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 work. Go, 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 go. Or you could read this like, like offer yourself as a living sacrifice. David Britton did that series um, a while back on the one another's. I, I was sitting here this morning. I thought, boy, what would it be like to do a series on yourselves? On the, on the yourselves? What's God calling us to do for ourselves? And, 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 and how I want to read this this morning is devote yourself to prayer. Offer yourself up to the Lord. In the context of, of our text and the subject of prayer, a- ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Ask God to fill you with understanding of his love. Ask God to help you grow spiritually every day. Th- this text this, this morning, um, it, it wasn't haphazard. I've been stuck in this text for, for what, nine months to a year. I've never had that before. I look at this text at least three to four times a day. It's written, or a week. It's written in my my prayer journal. And, 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 and since I discovered this, the first person I pray for is myself. And I pray that I will grow spiritually. I pray I'll grow spiritually every day. I, I, I pray that, that, that God will keep those, those, the temptations and the frustrations that, that root up in my life in terms of anger and this and that out of my life. I pray I get so filled with the Holy Spirit that there's no room left for me. But what comes out of me is the fruits of the Spirit to impact other people. And I believe that's what the Apostle Paul is calling us to do here is to pray for yourself. Pray that you grow, that your love for Jesus increases. While we'll do this, we're being watchful. He says, be watchful and thankful. So in terms of the context of of Colossians, what's going on here is some false teaching. So Colossians, it's, it's a church plant. Epaphras, I believe, is the person who planted this church. There's some false teaching. So Paul's saying, hey, as, as you're praying, you want me to pray for yourself, but be watchful. So in the context of church, there's some false teaching, so be careful. But, but also, I believe, it's, 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 as, you, as we read the whole text this morning, it ends with outsiders, right? Be careful how you act to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So I think, I think Paul's saying to have an outward view. Look at what's going on in the world around you. Have God's view of the world. Understand that, that the work of God is, is bigger than your house. It's bigger than Holland, Michigan. It's bigger than Western Michigan. It's bigger than the United States. It involves the entire world. And, and, and what's God doing in the world? And, and, and where are we, his people, called to pray into the work that God is doing? And then we're thankful why we do that. It's a spirit of expectation. It's a spirit of faith. It's thanking God in advance for all the things that he is going to accomplish. So we pray for ourselves. The next thing we pray for is we pray for open doors of the gospel. Colossians 4 verse 3, and pray for us too that God may open a door 
for our message. The question is, what does Paul mean by that phrase, open door? Paul only uses this phrase in three other texts in the Bible. The first one is Acts 14, verse 27, where Paul says, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, and how God opened a door, and the result was faith. So we see here that as, as, as God opened a door, that, that there was the result was faith. People came to belief in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 9 is another place where he says, I will stay on it, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. So there's not only this great work that's happening, but now there's there's some opposition. So so when doors get opened, we have to understand the spiritual reality and reality, and there can be opposition and and persecution. And then 2 Corinthians 2.12, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and again, and found the Lord had opened a door for me. See, when, when we're praying that, that doors are open, we're praying that God alters the spiritual atmosphere. We use words like anointing. We pray that there's a, a special anointing. We pray that there's an incredible work of God. I think very simply for us this morning, we need to pray that people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We need to pray that people who are resistant for some reason, and I believe a lot of those reasons are good reasons um, because of some hurt or hang-up um, in their life, that we need to pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that they become responsive to the gospel. We need to pray that when the gospel goes forth, instead of it hitting a brick wall, it hits an open door. We need to pray the lock off people's hearts. I think what Paul is saying in this text is that possession of faith in Jesus Christ requires sharing that faith with others. And the key way that we prepare hearts and souls is through prayer. Because prayer can do what God can do. I mean, here, here's the amazing thing, right? Paul is in prison, and his one request, his one request, is that God would open a door for the gospel. You know what my request would have been? Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Take an offering. Do whatever you need to do. Get me out of here. <laughs> I don't care. And here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing to me is he, he doesn't say that a, an open door, that a door would be opened as I go to here, as I go to here. I, I believe that, that Paul really would be okay if the open door was in prison. If he was to stay there and God were to open a door and he were to share Christ. We have staff in India who've been in prison for the gospel. I don't know if you're familiar with an organization called Open Doors. Um, they rape persecuted countries. And this year, India's gone up to the 10th worst place in the world for a Christian to live. Seven of the states in India have anti-conversion laws. That means if you share Christ, you can go to prison for five years. And we've had staff in prison. Um, Modi, who's the prime minister, is a hardline Hindu nationalist. He's connected with an organization that has declared by 2020, India will be void of Christianity. Um, but we know that's not true because... Bible tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail. 
So one of the things that they do is they charge, they, they, they um, trump up charges. They have people lie and say, this person tried to, to forcibly convert me to Jesus. So we had some training going on in India, and um, Moses, who on our staff was leading it with three other staff, and the police came in, they kicked down the door, um, they confiscated all the Bibles, all the literature, they had a big bonfire, they beat the people, and they took our three staff members and they threw them in prison. And it was about two to three weeks before we were able to get them out of prison. I happened to be in India. I'm just following when they were released, and I sat down with Moses, and I was just like, Moses, how, how, did, you, how did you do? What, you know, what, what, what was, what's going on in your head? And he looked at me and said, we're so grateful for the blessing of being in prison with so many people who were so desperate to hear of Jesus. He said the conditions were so terrible, the guards wouldn't come in there. He said the smell was so horrid and it was so detestable. He said we had just freedom to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I sat there and I thought to myself, how come that is not the way my mind works? I know if I would have been in that situation, my mind would have been on me and on the terrible smell and the terrible conditions, and it would have not been on an open door of the gospel. And I just think, dear God, help me to understand the power of open doors. Help me to understand that in the midst of opposition, there's always opportunity in terms of sharing who Christ is. And, and Moses' passion has marked people's lives for years in terms of the first and second um, great awakening led to a huge priority on the Great Commission. In terms of the mid-20th century evangelical movement, that's when tons of Christian nonprofits um, were born that focused on unreached people groups and the gospel moving forward. But I'm telling you, and I say this with a very heavy heart, something's changing and that passion is diminishing in terms of the church in North America. The Great Commission is losing a sense of urgency. This desire of praying that God is opening doors in the church of North America is, is, is strongly diminishing. I don't know if you've ever heard of the name George Barna. He does lots of different studies in, 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 in putting data together and then drawing conclusions. Well, the seed company, their Bible distribution company, they hired Barna's organization to do a study of regular churchgoers, and they asked them if they could articulate, regular churchgoers, if they could articulate the Great Commission. Now, I want to just say, in terms of Moran Park, I completely understand that there are people here who are not followers of Christ, who don't know the Bible from beginning to end. So this is people who've grown up, um, studied the Bible, should be able to articulate the Bible. So um, if you're here today and, and the Bible and Christian faith is relatively new to you, when we talk about the Great Commission, we're talking about the last words of Jesus, where he says to his disciples there in Matthew 28, um, 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very close of the age. So Barna wanted to know how many people who regularly attended church, they said, hey, can you tell me what the Great Commission is, could answer that question. Well, 51% said, I have no idea what the Great Commission is. 25% said, I've heard of it, but I'm not so sure I can articulate it. Um, 6% said not sure, and 17% said I can tell you what that is. So Barna, and I think this is really good, 
he thought, well, well, maybe it's just older guys like us, you know, these people put us in a box called boomers. Maybe that's a, a boomer word, you know, like great commission, you know, and, and millennials and Xers and Ys or whatever they call them today. They just don't use those words. So then what they did is they took five verses and they just laid them out and they said to people, can you tell us which of these five verses that you think would be called the great commission? And, and you can see it um, behind me, but 30, only 37% of people could articulate what that is. Now here's how I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that this morning in the context that one third of the world's population has never ever heard the gospel. 82% of Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims have never ever met a Christian believer. So we need to pray, we need to understand that, that, that God's call is us for us to be outward focused. In terms of the context of this series, Acts chapter 2, you read that all the way through, devote yourselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. It goes on to say, and there were signs and wonders and everyone had in common and there was generosity. And then at the end it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The purpose of the Christian life, the definition I love for discipleship is being in relationship with Jesus for the sake of others. And that is why we pray. We pray for ourselves, for the knowledge of God, for who he is. We pray for open doors. And then next, in terms of our text, we pray for clarity and boldness of those who are talking to other people about Jesus. Not only is there a need for God to open a door, but there's, there's a need for something really crystal clear and powerful to go through that door. The words of Christ, the mystery of Christ, the messengers of Christ. What this means is that, that, that we need to regularly be praying for the staff. We need to regularly be praying for the teachers who are downstairs right now this morning talking to our children about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray when we're singing the words of God and praise to him that they're powerful and that they go forward and they're presented clearly. I mean, think about this. The Apostle Paul could imagine himself speaking about the gospel, speaking about Jesus in a way that was not clear. The Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's probably considered the greatest preacher and missionary outside of Jesus Christ himself. And what he is saying is every time I talk about Jesus, it's 100% dependent on the prayers of the church. It's dependent on the prayers of the people. It's dependent on the power of God. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit. See, what we believe is that we believe that when we talk about Jesus, that the Holy Spirit takes our words. It's kind of like a, a, a dove, that, he, that the Holy Spirit rides the wings of our words and opens the doors of people's hearts, causing them to say yes to God, yes. That is our complete dependence. So we pray for clarity of the gospel. 
but there's an underlying tone in, in terms of this too, and, and that is about spiritual opposition. We need, to, we, we need to pray against spiritual opposition. You can't miss the fact that, that Paul's in prison, and the reason he's there is for presenting and talking about the gospel. I mean, we get persecution, right? I, I, I had the privilege of, of, of growing up in a, in a home with godly parents who um, introduced me to Christ. I, I had the privilege of praying to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior with my mom and my brother. Um, I, I grew up um, going to... Sunday school and hearing all the stories, so persecution something I've always been in my head. Um, story of John the Baptist, you know, he was beheaded, and Stephen the first martyr, and Acts chapter 8 where it talks about on that day a great persecution broke out. But something happened to me this past year that really told me I didn't understand or my heart wasn't engaged in persecution. I was reading my Bible in the morning and and when I do that, I keep this calendar in my Bible. We have this, this ministry, it's called India Intercessor. So we print a monthly calendar, and it's just a real simple prayer. We ask people to pray. We have about 13,000 people um, that are part of that team that, that pray on a daily basis for different things. Well, um, I always take that out in the morning. I read that prayer, and I offer that prayer up. Well, um, today, it was in November, and I opened up the India Intercessor, and it said this. It said, Holy Spirit. We pray you will transform Savita's parents who are beating her for attending a children's Bible club. And, and, and I, just, I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, like I said, I, I get adults being persecuted, but you have to understand I kind of compartmentalize things, right? So I can build a nice little compartment and put that in that and go on my way. But I didn't have any compartment for a child simply being beaten for attending a Bible club. See, you got to understand nation of India is like 92, 87%, I don't, I don't know, it's high in terms of Hindus. And this, she's, and, and Savita was from a Hindu family and, and, and Hindu is a fear-based religion and what they believe is if we turn from the, the God of our village, then, then those gods are going to become angry and pour out their wrath and terrible things are going to happen. So they started beating her so that wouldn't happen. And, and it, and I was just so troubled by it. The next day I went into the office and I said, hey, can you um, pull this file for me? Um, find this. And I showed him the prayer and I knew the right person to go to. And they were able, there's always follow up and stuff. And I was really hoping that the next prayer would be like, thank um, the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit showed up and sprinkled gospel pixie dust all over Savita and her family. And everything's wonderful and happy and nice and great and super duper. Um, but that's not what it said. It it, 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 the update, um, the update read these words. It said, Savita has received Jesus as her Savior, and she's filled with great joy, knowing her sins are forgiven. She prays to Jesus to transform her father and the rest of her family to know the truth, despite the beatings she endured at the hands of her family. Savita says it's good to follow Jesus. And I could go on and on and I could tell you about pastors, wives, and daughters being violated in terrible, terrible words, ways. I, I could tell you about churches being burned, people being beaten, 
I could tell you about pastors um, who are partners of ours who have been assassinated. And, 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 it, and it just heightened for me on that day the need to pray against opposition and persecution. And it also reminded me that prayer can do what God can do. And God is greater than any opposition or persecution. And I also believe this is a satanic strategy. I think we're talking about spiritual warfare. And in the midst of spiritual warfare, there's casualties. And that's not limited to just India. It's here in western Michigan. It's here in the United States. It's in our homes. There are people here today that there is just no doubt in my mind who are being advocates for the gospel, who are trying to share who Christ is. And it's a natural reaction to spiritual opposition and persecution. And what I want you to understand this morning is like Paul when he found himself in prison his perspective was is that opposition um, and, and persecution is an opportunity for God to work and, and I just want to encourage us this morning if, if you're here and you're in the midst of opposition if there's persecution going on in your life I, 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 I wonder if through the power of the gospel you can get a vision and get a view for how great God is and that God possibly might open a door in that situation. He might like part the Red Sea. Make a way where there is no way. Because that is who God is. And don't leave him out of that battle. Because he loves to be asked. He wants to demonstrate his power and his glory through you. So that the praises of his people can declare who he is. And those praises then become a lighthouse to God's grace and God's glory. Let's pray. Our great God and heavenly father, we praise you for the gospel. We thank you, dear God, for the apostle Paul and for his humility and for him saying, hey, I really need the prayers of God's people in terms of talking to other people about Jesus and Lord, if, if that's true of Paul, it's so much more true of us in terms of needing the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray this morning in terms of, of, of anybody who really struggles to have the vision that you display of yourself in Scripture, to understand that you're a merciful Father, that you're a gracious Father, that you're a good Father, that you're powerful, that you are for us. I pray, dear God, that that conviction will just be in each and every one of our hearts, that we'll grow in the knowledge of you and the knowledge of your will for our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much, Todd. Um, I said last week, the, the whole goal isn't that that we would just talk about prayer, but that we would actually pray more. And I've been sitting there, and I, I can't, like, get out of my mind, like, just let's go from that to a time of, of worship, which we will get to a time of worship. I'm like, we need to transition to a time of prayer. And I want to, to lead us and have us pray through exactly what Todd was, was talking about this morning. 
And so I want you to uh, maybe join up with another person or two other people, or if you want to pray by yourself, that is totally fine as well. But I want to enter into a, just a time of prayer this morning collectively all together. And I just want to pray through what Todd uh, shared with us this morning. And so first of all, I want, us, I want you uh, to gather with another person or just by yourself, and I want you to pray for yourself. Okay? I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray that you would know the Lord more, that you would know his grace and his mercy, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would be empowered by God to speak his words with great boldness as you are about to leave this place. And you can pray quietly or you can pray out loud, you know, nice and loud. And we're all going to do this together. And so you guys are still all sitting there. So feel free to, to move around and, and team up with people. And let's spend a couple minutes praying for ourselves. Okay? Go for it. I would like you to start to now transition to praying for opportunities. So keep in, continue to pray for yourself if you're doing that, but pray for opportunities for the gospel to go forth. Pray against opposition. Pray against persecution. If you're in the midst of just some struggles and some difficulties and maybe you yourself are, are um, suffering from, you know, some, some people um, giving you a hard time for following Jesus. Um, pray against that. There's persecution all around the world. Pray against 
of persecution, but pray for opportunities for the gospel to go forth in power. And I think specifically, uh, just a word that was put on my heart um, for this, and, and Todd touched on it, um, in this area in West Michigan, I just really believe that there's a lot of complacency when it comes towards the advancement of the gospel, when it comes to sharing the gospel. So pray against complacency in this area. And then Todd, what was the name of the gentleman that, or the person that you talked about in India who wants to get rid of Christianity? Modi. So I just like, let's pray for Modi that he would encounter the Lord. All right. So let's pray for him too. So let's pray for opportunities for the gospel to go forth in powerful ways in West Michigan and around the world. Go for it. And lastly, I would love for you to pray for people that you know that don't know Jesus. Todd said he encourages people to pray for five people, five minutes a day, every day. And so maybe you know five people, and I want you to pray for them by name. I want you to pray that their hearts would be open and their eyes would be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
you know, all of us know that there, there was a time in our life that when we didn't believe, and then all of a sudden we believed, and we're like, how did that all happen? Well, it happened through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he opened up our eyes, and we're praying for the same for people that we know that don't know Jesus. And so pray for people by name who don't know uh, Jesus and have yet to give their faith to Jesus. So pray for them right now. Father, we give you praise for what you're doing all around the world, how your kingdom is constantly advancing, and you are using your people in different places all around the world to speak your words with great boldness, and you are pouring out your spirit on the lives of people, and people are coming to faith in your son, Jesus, and we give you praise, God, for you are pursuing your children, you are chasing people down, you are, you are showing them how great your love is for them, that you gave up your only son for them, that through faith in Jesus, they may have life eternal. So God, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done more so in this world, in our lives, in our community. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world who are in the midst of persecution. We pray for endurance in the midst of persecution. God, we pray that you'd give them strength to continue on, to continue walking faithfully hand in hand with you. 
And God, I thank you that in the midst of, of persecution, uh, the church doesn't shrink back, but it explodes. And things happen all around the world, and so we pray for endurance. I pray for endurance for my brothers and sisters in this room and for all around the world, that we would be faithful, that we'd be faithfully walking with you every single day, that you would give us just a deep hunger to know you and to have others know you. And most of all, Father, we just pray that you would be glorified, that, Father, you would receive the glory and honor that you alone deserve. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray all these things.